How's everybody doing today? Put the mic to your mouth and leave it there. I swear, if you do not develop this technique, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to the Outpost Podcast. I'm Lacey, and I'm going to be leading you through a really crazy adventure today. Okay? I, added, it's been it's been I added a, a big stretch to the warm-up, and it made me really lightheaded. We've got uh, today... <laughs> who, passed out, Tom. Welcome today back. with us... When I collapse, oh God, just give me a minute. Gone. Here we go. Today, we've got with us... We've got Derek. We've whoop. got Tom. Whoop. We've got Mark. You say whoop. We say whoop whoop. We Very go. good. We got a double whoop on that one. So he's here twice. He's double double tuned in. Double so listen, trouble. we've got to be honest with you. It's been a little while since we've recorded a podcast. And we've missed you. We have, and we decided that in our last podcast recording setup, we just were too comfortable sitting on couches. So we have moved ourselves into a corner where, in some weird corner of our building, next to. It's like the construction site that also houses the bathroom. Yeah. So there's ding, like ding, 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 ding. whatever this is there's, smeared all over this wall. There's like know. a lawn faucet over there, <laughs> an old fan. Yeah, yeah, there's a, a duct taped light switch. Splattered fan. So it's we're literally right next to the bathroom door. We we're wishing for the barn again. We are. So this is us bringing ourselves as close to the old barn as possible. I really want us to build like a little cramped wood box that just sits in the corner of the office called the barn like, what is that that's the barn and it's like maybe the si- <laughs> maybe it's the size of a large doghouse and we just all climb in it for mm-hmm. the podcast mm-hmm. it should look like a, a doghouse for it guys let's, let's, be, let's be honest doghouses are always designed to look like barns so this is like some weird backwards like this thing. is what i'm saying let's get a couple cows put them in there, there we, we won't need that we've got us call me a cow <laughs> call me a cow right now us I'm calling okay. us cows. We are, we are cow. So listen, there's not been a whole lot going on. You can imagine. We just, we're just sitting over here twiddling our thumbs at cows Orange Nebula. Yeah, so we don't really want to talk about what's new at Orange Nebula. You know what we want to talk about? Just over time, we've been accumulating question upon question upon question in the mailbag. 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 So who's responsible for the mailbag today? I was responsible last time. Bag. That's not true. Master. Uh, I've had one go since you. I saw Tom. what you did. You polished the brass. Oh, that's right. Because you, you figured out the in. code. That's yeah. All right. So pull it out, okay, Tom. Here we go. Oh my gosh, it's ginormous. Would you like to do the 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 key code? It's Don't look. Okay. <laughs> Done. Glitter bomb. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So the first question is very pop culture and it says, do you prefer to watch movies in the theater or in the comfort of your own home and why? Ooh. It I, depends. I'm a big fan of the theater experience. For all movies? Yes. Hmm. If mm. I can manage it. There are some movies where I'm, well, see, now, now I'm going back on what I said, huh? I do that to well, you So sometimes. far, you've not really said anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go back already. Now, it really depends on the movie. Like, there are some movies I will not go see in theaters. But I do have to say, I love going to the theater and I love going to the movies alone. Really? Yes. It is very enjoyable, very relaxing. 
I've done that twice and thought it would be weird. It's awesome. It's awesome. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you can just sit and enjoy the movie. I'm doing it from <laughs> now on. <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something about being in front of the big screen in that big space in a community of people with all the sound and stuff. But you somehow when you're by yourself and you're not there with someone, you know, even though you're in a collective space, you feel weirdly isolated. Yeah, there's no and distractions. And it makes everything else feel big more impactful in a way mm-hmm. i don't know i don't want to steal your joy but there's some things in there that people do that really annoy me though really like what at the movie theater you Just being annoyed with with people the, the, the pet yeah is I've it gonna steal my joy <laughs> or I, I would have no joy at this point <laughs> there's, there's always somebody trying to be quiet opening a plastic bag of food and it just like takes burritos they, sm- they smuggled in 45 minutes for them to open the bag i think i'm normally that person. i always like the person that's like let me bring out my nine pound cadoba burrito i do that like, unwrapping the foil that's me my favorite is when you hear like uh like a can open in the middle of a movie like <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, something, something's not right here. Or, or it's a can like opener, an like they're opening spaghettios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it has it like. Awful, this is like, why I watch movies at home. <laughs> I'm just going there. I do like the theater. I do do like the theater experience. I love the sensory experience being heightened, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to feel the vibration of sound when there's a a big scene. I love that activity. And I love people delivering snacks to me while I'm Mm -hmm. watching a movie. You know, if there's a big premiere, like a Star Wars movie Mm -hmm. or something like that, and the theater is packed out and people are lit, they're super excited. I love that. As long as you don't have dork in the back, like telling you about what's about to happen. I hate that. Okay. But I love it when people cheer, people come mm-hmm. in, right? It's just, that actually is pretty exciting. That That's the same for me. I will always see the big Star Wars movies and the biggest Marvel movies and, and big special effects, things like right. that in the same. theater, just for that, like screaming experience from people, because I think it makes it. We Do were, you ever dress up? No, I've never gone uh, that far mm-hmm. because I want to be It's a miracle that we're making it to the theater yeah. at all. I'm mm-hmm. open to it. Okay. I'm open to it. All right. Yeah. That's so, end game opening night. Yeah, that, that, that was amazing. That's the kind of movie that I wouldn't miss in the theater. Mm-hmm. Something like Interstellar or big, like yeah. really special effects driven movies I, where I feel like part of the thing that makes the movie special is the scope of what's happening visually. Yeah, like immersion. I wouldn't want to miss that. Yeah. But my favorite movies are all really old movies. And my favorite movie experience is basically a sick day on the couch watching like nine Humphrey Bogart movies in yes. a row. So I go both ways. I want to go to a Star Trek movie dressed as a Tuscan Raider. And just, just see what people do on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. yeah. They're going to think I'm confused and that makes me laugh. <laughs> okay. What's next? Next, we're going to pivot a little bit because one thing that we did was we asked the community on Facebook, not in the context of we're going to talk about this on the podcast. Okay. We asked them, what are the questions or thoughts that challenge you in your creative life? Ooh. And I feel like that goes well into today's topic. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe we would go through some of these reactions mm. and, and see if we have any comments on them. Okay. So read it one more time. The question. Okay. So the question was, what are the questions or thoughts that challenge you in your creative life? Okay. The word challenge is intentionally vague and people responded very differently depending on how they were interpreting the question. Okay. One response was, and I've mushed a bunch of these together. Okay. So if, if you're someone who submitted a response to this and you kind of hear yours, but it sounds a little different, it's because yours has been combined Mushified. with, with other mushed. people's. Yeah. Okay. Is this epic enough to inspire other people or could it be better? Mm. 
So questioning how good your project or product really is, you know, is this, is this actually is going this, to is make this a difference? Impact somebody on a, on a, on a level. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. They're saying that that's, that's one of the thoughts that they have that challenge them. And I think this person is interpreting the word challenge more in terms of this is a hurdle I have to clear, mm-hmm. which is constantly asking myself, is this going to inspire people? Is this big enough? Good enough? Mm-hmm. That's interesting because in art, the big question is when is it done? Right. In fine artists specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think that begs the question, when is it complete or when is it finished or enough, um, whether or not it's epic is kind of, you know, it depends on, on what you're doing, but cause sometimes something can be really subtle and nuanced and be done. But the question is, should I keep going? Because I mean, even in design, in any creative craft, you can keep going and going and going and making things better and better over time. But at some point you have to have that sense, that sensibility that it's complete. And I think that's something that comes with with experience. Mm-hmm. One thing that I use a lot, and I think I probably need it for myself most, but I find myself advising other people on it most often, probably because it's just what I need to hear, is that when I hear people asking that question, like, is this going to inspire people? I just shoot back at them like, well, does it inspire you? Because mm-hmm. what really mm-hmm. matters other than that? Like if it's your creation, is it inspiring you? Right. Because you can't control anybody else. You can only control and understand your own thoughts, your own mind. I like that perspective a lot, actually. Well, I think it's important to realize, too, that people get inspired in ways that you can't necessarily control or anticipate. Yeah. So like you may think that the thing you're making is going to have a certain influence on people and that's what you're aiming for. But just the fact that you made something and brought it into the world at all may be enough to inspire someone. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally true. Yeah. You might actually not be happy with something or not have it meet a certain criteria, but for someone else, it just lights them up. Mm -hmm. And and that's, that's a really important perspective for something that's beyond your foresight or control. Mm -hmm. Along a similar vein thoughts that people are challenged by that they struggle with. This feels like is, will this ever matter? Is this worth it? Am I even any good at this? Mm-hmm. I feel like that all kind of folds into what we just yeah, talked about. That kind of reminds me of, I forget who said it. And I'm sure it's, it's kind of a, one of those things that's said within the community and in, in general, but like when you're drawing, like allowing yourself to draw badly, mm-hmm. like allowing yourself to not be a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I struggle with that a lot. So that's something that is relatable. As someone who writes a lot, one, one of the rules with, with writing is just write crap. Right. Like yeah. Just just settle into the fact that I'm writing crap. I'm going to write two pages of crap every day. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, those two pages are not crap. Mm-hmm. And now you have it, but you never would have gotten there if you didn't write all the crap on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you sit down and decide, I'm going to do my masterwork right now, you will never you'll make never a masterwork. Mm-hmm. I'm finished. How do I share this? That's a good question. When you start with a concept on a project, you're able to just very easily share something that's relatable because concept is much more foundational than product or project or solution. So really, it's talking about whatever the concept is. At least that's kind of what my insight is on it. I think what this person is getting at, in addition to that, is once you've achieved that, once you've made the thing, mm-hmm. I feel like my book is done. I, f- I feel like my game design is done. I, my, I've done my painting or my mixed media art project. How do I 
present it to the world? How do I get it in front of people? How do I put eyes on it where people will see it and, and care about it? And yeah, I think the answer is mindfully and relentlessly, like everywhere that you can, but do it carefully and present it as if it was just super fragile like do a really good job presenting it and then share it everywhere where you live, where all the circles are, where the people who are going to care about that are. And sometimes you don't know. So just share it. If you put the work in and you conceptualize something and you cultivate that for a season and you're ready for other people to benefit from it, just put it out there, just put it out there, but be mindful about it. Don't just, don't just throw it out there, put it out there carefully. And like conceptually speaking, don't you think, okay, well, if you have no idea where to share it, you just start talking about it, right? Mm -hmm. I if, think so. If you've done some market research where competitors might also have similar products or projects, then you've researched, you know, what kind of ways other people have brought this to market. And that research is going to lead you to the paths that are going to be best for you to share and most efficient for you to share in. And I, th I think a lot of times in this modern internet age, with a lot of different types of creations, the question comes down to, do I pitch this to publishers, mm -hmm. whether that's more than games, you know, books, whatever, mm -hmm. um, or do I self-publish this? Is this an ebook for Amazon? Is this a board game I take on Kickstarter? Do I just start sharing this art everywhere or do I wait until it's purchased to be in a comic? And I think if you don't have a really strong conviction on how you want to go about that and what to do, the, the answer is just start kind of putting it everywhere mm -hmm. and seeing what kind of traction at, it starts getting in, in conversations with people. And who knows who's going to know somebody who knows somebody who may think it's a great idea. And all of a sudden you're talking to a publisher you had no contact with whatsoever mm -hmm. and things just kind of came together. Or maybe you'll do that for six months and you'll realize, you know what, this doesn't feel like me. I need to control every aspect of this. Uh, I'm going to take this to Kickstarter. And then you have the conviction you need to get through Kickstarter. Because I think if you don't know quite how you want to approach bringing something into the world, Kickstarter is not right for you yet. Right. You've got to be pretty convicted. too big of a commitment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you should back up, visualize the perfect scenario. If you had all the resources and time in the world, where would this be and who would be surrounding it? Who would be enjoying it? And start there. Swing for the fence. Envision the perfect scenario and then work back from there. Don't limit yourself by what you think is the lowest step. You're going to have to take one step at a time, but I think you should always think big and swing for that. And you might not get it, but you'll get a lot closer than if you don't swing. Right. Amen to that. Amen. So then we have a few more that think of challenge in your creative life from, from the other angle, which is what challenges you to think more creatively or to reach new creative heights. And we got... Can I tackle this in the exact opposite direction and get the same result? I don't think it necessarily has to mean opposite. The, the way I interpret that is if I approach this differently, would I end up with the same yield? And I think that when you challenge yourself in that way, it's very powerful. Like you, you could be like, well, I've always done it this way. But if you challenge yourself, well, what if I approached it backwards? What if I approached it differently? What you might find is that there's a shorter path to your success going a different route. Mm, okay. And you might find that it's a longer path, but that's fine because that knowledge is worth the trip, right? Yeah, so. maybe that longer path is a little less rigorous. 
Yeah. But you'd end up in the same. Exactly. Less taxing in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe it costs less, but it takes more time. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Another question that someone asked themselves is what makes me uncomfortable and why? Yeah. I've heard a lot of people (laughs) say, right, that wherever you're feeling that little bit of discomfort that you maybe actually that's where you're supposed to be going, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're when you start feeling fear, that's a clue as opposed to a deterrent. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I think if you're comfortable, good luck, you know, making something great, right? You're going to have to get uncomfortable to make something worth the effort for you and for anyone else. It's going to take, it's going to take a lot of effort, blood, sweat, tears, all those different things. Otherwise it's not going to be worth it. Well, unless you're, I mean, if you're 100% happy with where you're at right now and you don't really want to change anything and you don't have any aspirations to get anywhere with what you're working on, then being totally comfortable is the right place to be. But if you're trying to get somewhere and you have bigger visions and bigger dreams in your head of what you want to be doing with your creative life, then you need to be uncomfortable and stretching yourself to reach that new place. Yeah. Am I crazy or does it seem like human nature to just constantly strive for doing more and better? And that's your human nature, is it? which is why you're such a special human. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just assume everyone feels that way and thinks that way. Yeah. I think the internet proves you a little wrong on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think there's probably something of that in everyone. Mm-hmm. I think there's also fears and insecurities and things that play into that that stop people from pushing themselves in that direction. I don't know. We're all very different. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Are there anything else? I, I do think you should always be in motion. I don't think that there's a point at which you have arrived as a human being. You can hit checkpoints and you can reach goals and achievements and things like that. But if you feel like you've arrived, then it's time for the next challenge. I I agree that you can get into a spot where you have worked maybe for a long time and enjoy that. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. There's not nothing wrong with, you know, finding the success, you know, the fruit of your labor. But I mean, and, and you can relax and you can enjoy that, but I don't think I would stay there and, and just become placid, become mm-hmm. static. You want to continue moving. You want to continue, you know, even if you just don't work as hard, turn around and, and become a philanthropist, you know, like affect change somewhere else. There's so much opportunity there. And I think that's where you continue to grow. I think if you stop growing, that's like dying. Yeah, my, my comment was meant to be a little tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. sort of assuming that anyone who aspires to a creative life will never feel super happy with where they're at. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Not that there's not joy to be had here, but there's just always more that you can do and yeah. create. Always. That's part of the joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else there? No. Carry us forward. I think okay. we've set up your main event. Okay. Wonderful. So I today have a specific topic that I want to cover, which is phases of the creative process. I did a little research prior to this about what kind of mainstream media says are Mm -hmm. phases to the creative process. And there's a couple people that have content out. One of which is somebody named Joseph Taylor. He's a speaker on creativity. What? It's James Taylor. Thank you. 
I was about to say, I looked at Tom and I was like, nope. One of Whenever which... I see your smiling oh, face, yeah. <laughs> myself. The first thing I did was was Google search this guy to see if James Taylor has some B secret James life Taylor? as, <laughs> as creative a creativity guru. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't. Okay. It's, so it's some other guy. It's James Taylor. Okay. He's a speaker on creativity and he breaks down the creative process into five phases. I will go out at the very beginning and say, I think there are more phases than that, but I want to share what his five phases are and see what these phases look like in our lives and mm -hmm. what our opinions are on these phases and what phases we might include. Does that sound good to everybody? Absolutely. Sounds excellent. Okay. So the five phases that... James breaks down is one preparation, two incubation, three insight, four evaluation, and five elaboration. Okay. So we're going to start with preparation. Okay. So the preparation stage is all about absorbing as much information as you can, also known as the getting inspiration stage. This first stage is where you want to immerse yourself completely in your subject and your aspirations. Okay. So can you identify in your own lives that you have a phase similar to this, a preparation phase? Mm -hmm. Totally. I kind of reject the premise that, that creativity is linear. Okay. So like while I dig these five phases and would add some more, I feel like the idea that they always happen in succession and don't kind of all occupy the same space at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't agree with that. Okay. Um, things can happen out of order and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at least for me, the preparation stage, to me, it looks like curiosity. It's like my interest has been piqued in something and I start to get drawn towards getting more information about that topic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. When you when you read that to me, it's, that to me says preparation is almost research. Yeah. Like immerse yourself in the thing mm -hmm. that you're about to be creative around. And yeah, that's the thing I do, especially in working in a creative field. If you just call that inspiration, I mean, you're not going to move forward unless you're inspired to. So you have to have a spark at the beginning. That's kind of what I see that as pursuing it a little bit. My phase is, is called discovery okay, or discover, which is kind of the exploration thing. Like, mm -hmm. what do I, what am I doing and why? Yeah. Right? I called this phase inspiration also, because to me, it feels a little bit like a lot of the times I'm not intentionally preparing. I'm just drawn. My curiosity is drawn towards something and I create something based on that curiosity. But it's that spark of inspiration or curiosity that comes before I even put myself into that research phase. You relate to that? Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah, Wonderful. absolutely. Okay. Phase number two in here is called incubation. Now we've talked about this phase some on the podcast before. The incubation phase, they say, can take days, weeks, months. But the idea is that you'll be thinking about the subject in the back of your mind, but not really putting your whole attention to it. Your subconscious is doing some of the heavy lifting here. So can you all relate to that type of phase? This is where I agree with Tom. It's nonlinear. I think in some projects there's an incubation phase and some projects there's, there's really not. I think once you decide to go on a small low hanging fruit project, you can just move. You don't have to let it incubate. So I don't know if I connect entirely with that, but I, again, at the end, maybe I'll go through what I have down okay. for my phases. Mm -hmm. Just to break that rule. I, I, I would definitely stick an exploration phase mm -hmm. between 
sort of the discovery phase and the incubation. Like to me, there's some work to be done in between that's coming specifically from yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I completely agree with Mark, especially in the creative agency world where the sometimes being creative is our job and we have to do it right now mm-hmm. in these in this time frame and get things done as a billable creative project. That said, I think in the giant overarching realm of the way people think about creativity, this incubation phase is wildly undervalued and, mm. and perhaps misunderstood. I think people need to have faith in and believe in their subconscious mind and how powerful it is. You know, there's being consciously creative is a skill and it's to, to an extent, but it's sort of like playing the piano, like to just sit down and say, I will now be creative and actually have that bear fruit. There's going to be different different amounts of success there for different people. But overall, if you do that regularly, you will get better at that. Mm-hmm. But that's not the whole thing. There is definitely something to be said for what your mind can do when you're not focusing on something. If you just put all this stuff in there and you explore a little bit and you think about what you're trying to solve creatively, and then you just walk away and you let your mind have what it needs to process things quietly in the background, get out in nature if you listen to anything, just be listening to soft music, like give your mind space to work on something where you're not forcing it and you're not giving it constant input. And you just let your mind open up those other parts of itself that don't operate when you're injecting stuff into it Mm -hmm. and let it work on a problem. I, I think the incubation phase is super important. What do you think, D-Lock? I agree, 100%. Do you incubate your ideas? Yeah, I would say so. I think the way that Tom described it is kind of how I do it, is that we have the idea, like, if I don't try to force it, like, for example, sitting down, like, I'm going to be creative, that's, like, a one-way ticket to, to failure um, on that. It's really difficult to tell your mind to work at a very high level, right? And so, especially when you're trying to be creative and open up those different parts of your brain, you need to allow your brain to do that by itself, the number of times I've been working on something and working on something and working on something and all of that was just laying the groundwork for what my mind is going to do mm-hmm. when I'm in the shower, when right. I'm not even thinking about it. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh. And I have that insight moment that you're about to mention. Yeah. Like that comes from an unconscious process so often. Or if I'm like, I'm trying to troubleshoot an issue with a website, for example, and I just keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And, you know, I try for four hours and then I step away for 30 minutes and I come back and I solve the problem in, you know, two minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that to me is just a testament to what you can do when you aren't forcing yourself to, you know, be creative. Mm-hmm. I think nature is important for this. I think fresh air is important for this. Mm-hmm. I think we were made to spend time outside. One thing I saw a lot about this phase is that it, space and quiet is important mm-hmm. for this phase to be successful. Quiet. We don't have enough quiet in our lives. I think so. Yeah. My, I'm going to go through my phases really quick just because I think it's going to give context to my comments. What you guys are talking about is what I call phase three design. Okay. okay. So like if I'm figuring things out, that's the puzzle solving. That's the design part of it for me. Whether or not I should do it has to precede that. So here are my phases. I'm just going to go through them really quick. The first one is discover and the subwords underneath that are investigate, gather and identify. Okay. Phase two is differentiate though. And differentiate for me is a validator 
of should I even do this at all? Because if it's not different than something else in the world, it's not even going to really make a difference, right? Like that's the whole point. So in phase two, there's research kind of formulate and discern. And I guess incubation kind of maybe happens in each of these, right? Like you're really kind of processing and thinking about them. But phase three is design where I really start then to visualize, strategize, conceptualize. And that happens in the quiet. That happens with the soft music. That happens in those those moments. And so, but I think that also happens in other phases. The way that the mind works and the way that you you know, think things through probably for me happens in every stage. Right. So like mm-hmm. when you say incubate, I feel like that if that's not happening in stage four and stage six, there's a problem. So anyway, I I'll stop there with my first three phases. Okay. So the third one that's listed here is insight. So the way that they describe it here is this is the classic aha moment or the eureka moment. Possibly it takes the shortest amount of time, but it's one of the most important. Now, I kind of hate this idea of this phase because to me, I have almost never had just one moment where the idea appeared. It's more like I I can see the concept and slowly it's filling in. Or like something's know? coming into focus. Exactly. I agree with you. The, the aha moment, I mean, I'm sure I've had them, but... I never like point to one moment in time where I was like, I have the idea that solves the problem, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I've always had an idea of the problem and a way to solve it. And I've just been gathering knowledge on ways to make that blurry vision clearer. Yes, exactly. That's and what I, and I, I think about I guess you could it. say that moment of clarity at the end could be your aha moment. But that when I hear aha, I always think that's instantaneous, right? It's mm-hmm. all of a sudden just popped into my head. Right. And that's not yeah, the process. I have the same reaction, which made me think looking at these if maybe I was viewing these as too macro, like mm-hmm. these were looking at the whole experience mm-hmm. and maybe this list of things is referring to like, if you're sitting down and working on something for 30 minutes, that this entire cycle happens six times. Right. But because I think I'm thinking of it at a more macro level, mm-hmm. too, which is where I started. But mm-hmm. and we, we, I mean, if I think about the designs we have here in the office, we'll just talk about board games, for example, like there are totally those moments where we're like, oh, Okay, here's an idea, mm-hmm. which I guess you could call the aha moment. And we'll have 400 of those. 99.9% of the time, that's, that's not the end. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, this list goes on. Okay. So that's insight. The fourth phase listed here is evaluation. So this is very similar to what I think you mentioned as your second phase. So it says this is where you're talking to people about the idea and you're trying to decide whether or not it has legs. Personally, I can't relate to this phase very well because all my ideas are great. And so it's just a matter of which one I want to pursue first and which resources I have. What will I bless the world with? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. A bless. So I don't know what, tell me about this phase in your, in your situation, Mark, you spoke to it a little bit. So what does that look like to you when you're going through a evaluation phase or, or what you called it? The differentiation phase. Well, I call it the development phase. Development, that was it. I, I mean, you can't have a QA at the end. I mean, you kind of do, but if it fails, then it goes back in, mm-hmm. right, to the system. So I call that development. It's done when it's fully developed, mm-hmm. right, which means it's been evaluated. And maybe it's just the way I look at it. And all, all these words might kind of jumble together on yeah. my, my words versus, you know, his words and your words or whatever. But Phase four development is after you finish design in phase three, for me, 
then you develop that, which means poke holes in it, try different things, try to break it, try to ruin it, try to strengthen it is really the end goal and show it to people. And if it's a game, play test it. And if it's a design, you know, get your peers to look at it with an educated lens and make it strong and make it potent. And then when you're done, you move to the final two, which is deliver and then distribute. Yeah, you're jumping ahead a little bit compared to these, just because what this one, I really think this evaluation phase that they're talking about is like one of the second ones that you're talking about, which is, does this even have legs? Does this idea have legs? Yeah, I think here he's specifically basically getting at like decide for yourself Mm -hmm. if this is something worth pursuing or show it to a few people or talk Mm -hmm. to a few people about it. Which does it is kind of nebulous. It blends into his last one, which Mark spoiler alert is called elaboration. Yeah, that's the um, one that I think you were talking about this last time. But this this one, I think, if it if we let it pool into the, the next phase, I kind of see this as the put the rubber on the road for a minute one. So mm-hmm. get out of the abstract of your head and like rapidly make some quote, rapid prototype version of this or whatever, and put it in a different framework other than just you living in your headspace with it and see if it's really viable. A good example of this with Mark and I working on games will be the number of times that Mark and I have talked about something and we're really excited about something in the abstract. And the second we even just start writing it on the whiteboard and kind of like drawing lines of how things will work, we're like, no, this doesn't work. Yeah. You know, that that's the way I'm interpreting this phase. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because I think if you just stay in your head forever, all sorts of stuff makes sense. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you switch gears into the actual practical making of the thing, it opens new doors in your mind that reveal it, your idea to you in different ways. Mm-hmm. And you see it from a different perspective and you realize, okay, hold on this isn't what I thought it was, or this leads to some new thing and you jump back in the quote unquote process. I, I think this process lives within each of the spheres of my other processes. I think so right, you're like probably right. This entire, all five of those phases live in my phase one. Mm-hmm. And then you just circle through those until phase one is done. And then you do the same cycles in phase two. So See, the whole thing is like Dr. Manhattan where all time it happens at once. This is this is why I wanted to discuss this, because I don't think there's enough content about this, you know, because when you search phases of the creative process, this is about what you get. And to me, there is so much more than just this to discuss. Like you're saying, this lives inside all sorts of other phases. The last phase on here that Tom talked about is elaboration, which basically is like every other part of the process. Like, oh, it's creating and testing and iterating and launching and marketing and that's the, the, the manufacturing stage, so to speak. That's like all of the work. It's, yes. like, it's like everything that led up to that is. And then it's know, all in when one I, bucket. When I, when I read James Taylor, he was describing this as being, you know, there's the whole, the Einstein quote of 1% inspiration, 99% yes, perspiration. Uh-huh. This last, this elaboration phase is that 99% perspiration. And it's like, okay, so we put 99% in one bucket. I'm not happy with that. What, what I do appreciate about this stage and where I think we do inhabit this phase or stage or whatever the languages we're using is that if we get out of this framework for a second and we just talk about the value of iterating things and poking holes in things and trying things, I think that making something or being creative is kind of like a siphon, right? Where, you know, you, you fill a hose with liquid and you dump it out of the thing and the, the, the liquid leaving the hose 
pulls more liquid out mm-hmm. and that pulls more liquid out and that pulls more liquid out. And eventually you can move an infinite amount of liquid, but unless you had that initial hose full, you never would have moved any of that other mm-hmm. stuff. And I think the creative process is very similar where you just kind of start somewhere and then that just kind of snowballs. And if you involve other people, then it snowballs even more. I know you have a lot to say about this, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's creative process is a little bit different and I think it changes over time. I think you start as, as a young person and and you apply all of your life experience to whatever you're going to do. And there's a lot of gaps and holes. And as you get older, you kind of learn to fill in those gaps and, and holes with, with insight. And I think creative process can be different based on the project. I think the creative process when you're doing something by yourself is dramatically different than collaborating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how could that possibly fit into a rigid system? You know, going back to Tom's earliest point, it's, it just isn't that way. There's just a taxonomist by nature. So I want to be able to fit things in boxes so that I can understand them and put a pin in it and be done (laughs) so that we can blow them up though. And they won't fit. And yeah, square peg round hole. I I, I agree with you, you Mark, because I mean, it's so, I mean, how many of these articles are out there that try to nail down the creative process and how many of them are universally accepted as being the process? Yeah, that's what None I was, that's what I was pretty blown away when I started doing the research is that, I mean, the first two pages of all of Google results are the same concepts. Right. And I don't like it. They all copy each other though. Right. Right. Well, so they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But right. then they don't really apply their own history to what it. What bothers me about it living a creative life is that if you think that those four steps make up the creative process, you'll be sorely disappointed when you actually try to be successful at it. There are some premises that are true that I think everybody can benefit from, but there's so much adaptability in, in the creative model that if anybody tells you the right way to be creative, they're wrong. I'm just going to say that right now. Like somebody who's been a creative and has managed creatives for two and a half decades, Mm -hmm. I will tell you that I cannot tell Derek how to design, right? I can only give him my insights Mm -hmm. and then he's going to defend his and give me his insights. And the truth is somewhere in between, regardless of our expertise, our perspectives are valid, right? And so when you're trying to solve a problem, I mean, it's actually good to have a phase in there. And maybe that's what evaluation is. Maybe that's what develop is. Maybe that's what elaboration is where a lot of different people look at it because they're all going to come from very different places and life experiences and they're going to see things differently. And the more of that you have is going to help validate what you're doing in your decisions. So I like blah, the, blah, 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 Tell me what you guys think about this, but the whole idea that creativity is as a statement. Ooh. Like just creativity is. I always love statements like that. It's like a continuum, man. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. I mean, but I mean, you think about it and at least I think about it and it feels very true when I think about creativity. Like it just is, it just exists. I guess here's the, the reason that I think a lot of us who are writers or, or speakers or whatever like to kind of use taxonomy to try to come up with phases is because everybody wants the security of someone telling them how to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's a side of this that we're not seeing or that we're not acknowledging right now though, which is we are all for in creative profession. You know, we, we do this all day, every day, and we've had tons of experience thinking about it. 
And so we reject the idea of these things being put into these buckets. But then I think about if you just took this list of five things and you look at a lot of the people that, that we talk to or that we engage with as clients or that have tried on their own to freelance or all the, these various things and how many people either are struggling with or flat out aren't doing multiple of those five bullet points. So I think there is value on just a one-on-one level in identifying like it's important to have quiet time. It's important mm-hmm. to iterate. It's a, you know, like if it's you if you were yeah. gonna take those five things and make this a corporate presentation, you would touch people and change people. Mm-hmm. It's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a guide. It's one way to do it. Right. Is the, that, probably the way that I would say it. Should just be one of those things that, you know, you use as a guide, you take the ideas and then you apply them in your own way that fits you. Two things I want to add to this list. I used James's bullet points as a jumping off point and okay. thought, what, what do I feel is missing? Like I said, I entered a exploration line in there just wherever, because again, nonlinear. But one thing that I feel like that list kind of doesn't factor in is there's really nowhere in there where you're not looking at what other people have done for inspiration. Yeah. Like I think one of the most important parts of any creative pursuit is finding the right questions to ask Mm -hmm. so that you're looking at things differently or you're putting on a different lens and yeah, preparation as he calls it, where you look at all the existing stuff, like that's good homework, but that's not the actual process of making an idea and yourself that only you can make like an idea is inherently new. Otherwise you're just engineering existing stuff. I absolutely agree with that. With the branding background that we have, clients will often tell us, hey, we need a new logo for a product or whatever. Do you want to see our old stuff? And we're like, no, because that that we don't want any of that input. And, and quite honestly, people would argue with me how valuable it is to look at what the competition is doing. And I would say in some ways, yes, it's very important to see what their strategies are in terms of core creative process. It is a problem solving thing and you should not be influenced by anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. It is a singular task. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no way your mind can unframe the problem and those other things if you absorb them. This uh, You've spoken, I think, twice now on this podcast about the riding the waves of your imagination. And I don't see that anywhere in these bullet points. Right. Because it's hard to probably conceptualize for maybe people who haven't experienced it. Mm hmm. The last thing that I would add is at the very start of this, just as an overarching thing that isn't mentioned here, is just your overall environment and lifestyle. Mm. I mean, if you're going to be a, a creative person, whatever, you know, if if that is something that's valuable to you and you want to be stretching your mind and your imagination and thinking in new and different ways and pushing your own boundaries in the way that you think, you need to be living a life that fosters that. Mm-hmm. Read new things, listen to new things, watch new things, talk to new and interesting people. If you only talk to your same doofus friends every single day, no matter how lovable they are, that's us. And you you <laughs> read you friend. read the same three websites and watch the same type of movie, and th- that's all you do. You're never going to open the amazing doors in your mind that you might if you stretch. Right. 
Although doofuses can provide a lot of insight. I agree. I, 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 I am looking at you right uh-huh. directly right now. Retracted. Am I your number one doofus? Yeah, on the list of doofuses, mm-hmm. you are the champion. Yes. Oh, that's so sweet. King I want a shirt that says number one doofus. King D. King D. King D. <laughs> doofus Derek. Doofy D. Are you all ready for lunch? I'm starved. I'm ready for lunch. Shall we? Let's shall. I'll think about that it. That was fun. I enjoy that. I, it okay, was really yeah. it's really enjoyable to kind of sit back and watch everybody kind of ping ideas off each other. It was mm-hmm. really fun. That's the elaboration phase. That's part of the <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it might have been the most uh, important phase. The evaluate oh, is right. lunch. Love. Yeah. <laughs> lunch. Yeah. What's the, the most important phase, Mark? The most important phase is just do it. Right. Like, I mean, you you have to like all, all of this stuff is moot if you don't mm-hmm. actually decide that you're going to do it and finish it. You're so yeah. smart. And whether it's oh, good stop. or whether it's bad, finish it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. OK, we're going to finish this and we're going to go have lunch. Oh, now. Lacey's hungry. So podcast must end <laughs> now. OK, bye. OK, if you love listening to us and want to hear more from us, where can you find us, Derek? In the stars. Just kidding. And. Dang. Oh, that's true. And. Facebook and or Nebula. Twitter and IG at or Orange Nebula. Orange is your hub if you want to sign up for our newsletter. Cowboy, baby. We will we will talk to y'all soon, okay? Have a great rest of your afternoon. Goodbye. Oh, I hate mouth sounds. No applesauce for you. Pip pop pivity pip. Pip pop pip. No. Can you call me boy? No. Okay. Why? I don't know.